Welcome to the Worship Place Podcast. We are thankful we can worship with you and pray this message blesses your day. We look forward to seeing you in person next service. I want to turn your attention to Luke chapter number 11, verses 19 and 20. I won't read everything there, but I'll refer to it as we move along. These are the words of Jesus after having been accused by his accusers. Now we expect to be accused of the devil and his horde. But when religious folks start getting on Jesus, that's troublesome. And they said to Jesus, you cast out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. And Jesus replied in verse 19, And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Then Psalm 144 and 1 Blessed be the Lord, my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. I want to preach this morning from the subject, the finger of God. Let's ask God's blessing upon his word. We thank you, precious Savior, for the word of the Lord and for the power of the word of God to work in this service this morning, anoint and bless as only you can in Jesus' name. I did not see the movie, but I read a review about it called Twister. Apparently, it's a movie about twisters. And in the course of the discussion, the expert on tornadoes was asked the question, what is the difference between an F1, an F2, an f three, four, uh, and then he described how the rate of the winds and whatnot that makes them uh, by their particular ratings. And then he asked the question, well then, what about the F5? And the reply of the expert was, uh, what would that be like? And the expert said, it would be like the finger of God. Well, all I can say from what I've experienced so far this morning, I feel like there's a hand in this service today. Oh, yeah. Amen. And connected to that hand is the finger, praise God. And it's the finger of God. Amen. The Bible says, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, oh yeah. I'm going to tell you, there is a devil-scattering, demon-chasing, hell-overthrowing finger. in the. God is fixing to give the devil the finger, and not like you think, the finger of God. And he is squirming under the pressure of the power of the Almighty today. I didn't say, and you know what? It doesn't even require the fingers of God, just the finger of God. 
I watched a documentary with my wife about some guy who climbs uh, rock faces with no ropes at all. And you know what he does in his spare time? He does pull-ups with his fingers. Some of us, if we had to do a pull-up to get out of a burning house, we'd be in a lot of trouble. We'd be at to pray. That's what I call some strong fingers. But nothing compares to the finger of God. Come on, hallelujah. This is going to be nail-biting for somebody today. Not for us, but for the devil himself. Because by the finger of God, there's power sufficient to deliver those that are oppressed and overwhelmed by the powers of hell in the name. I want to say to somebody who feels like your trouble is overwhelming you, just remember your problem is no problem for God because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Amen? And I believe there's a deliverer in this place today. Speaking, speaking of deliverance, this word, this phrase, the finger of God, well, it does you good to understand a phrase or a word in the Bible by tracing it back to its, uh, uh, to its uh, first occurrence. It's called the law first reference. So this idea of the finger of God happens for the first time in Exodus chapter number 8. So it has to do with the third plague that Moses brought upon Egypt while in the process of delivering them. Somebody say deliverance. deliverance. Say the finger of God is embedded in the idea of deliverance. If somebody is here today that you're overwhelmed with worry, you need deliverance. If you're here today and you just are incapacitated by fear, you need deliverance. If you are just biting at the bits to take your animosity out on somebody else because hatred has reached a fevered pitch in your spirit, you need a deliverance. Praise God. But there is a finger. I said there is a hand. And attached to that hand is a finger. And the hand of God and the finger of God can deliver somebody from whatever is troubling them today. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Magnify him in this house. Let me read it to you. Exodus chapter number 8, verses 17 through 19. Uh, for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth. Notice the first two uh, plagues were waterborne plagues. This is an earth, earth origin plague. And it became lice on man and beast, and all the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Now the magicians so worked with their enchantments to what an enchanting thing we're fixing to find out here to bring forth lice but they could not but they could not did let me just tell you this hell cannot do what god can do hell cannot do what you can do if god is in you they couldn't and then the magician said to pharaoh this is the finger of God. You know, every once in a while, demons say something worth remembering. Well, this is it. This, what is this? 
The, the plague of lice, maybe mosquitoes, some say maybe ticks, maybe gnats, uh, whatever it was, it was uh, troublesome to the Egyptians especially. And these soothsayers and magicians uh, said, this is the finger of God. So it's first mentioned by sorcerers while sorcerers are in the process of giving up their battle against the power of God. I want to serve somebody notice. The devil is on his last leg and he's done about everything he can do to trouble your life that he possibly can and he's fixing to throw in the towel because the name of Jesus is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and they are safe. God, amen, is dismantling the infrastructure of hell and hell has had all of God that it can take. My God, in the name of Jesus, somebody needs to celebrate your victory today. And so this idea of the finger, uh, really fingers accomplish a lot more than sometimes we even can recognize. I mean, it would be very difficult to be a quarterback on a football team, if you had, well, you couldn't pass the ball, but you couldn't also give the instructions, all those little coded. <laughs> to send those messages to get everybody ready to make the next play. The finger points out things. It points out things. <laughs> you know, the finger of God points to the inherent weakness and inability of the enemy to raise much of a threat to the things of God. Hell derives its energy from your fears. If you don't participate with your fears, he has nothing to go on. His battery's dead. And if he gets a recharge, it's only because he's living off of your energy and your worry and your fear. What do you say we cut the devil's power off right here and now? What do you say that we take our faith and our praise and give it to God and let our worship energize us, uh, amen, and drain the devil absolutely dry in the name of Jesus. If you have something that you need God to do in your life, I'm telling you, it's just a praise away. Would you lift your hands and magnify him right now? Perhaps the Lord of glory can do it even while the word is being preached. So this concept of the finger of God is first mentioned by uh, soothsayers whose enchantments failed. Whose enchantments failed. Well, what else can you say when the, uh, when the magicians can't keep up? with the people of God. Let me say this this morning, real, real clear. Hell's curses cannot keep up with the power of God that's working in you. If you are filled with the Holy Ghost and you are a Holy Ghost tongue-talking, born-again child of God, Hell can curse you all that it wants to, but those curses cannot overtake you if your spirit is full of the presence and the glory of the Lord. They can't keep up. They got to throw in the towel. They got to give up. They got to surrender. They got to say, that's it. 
I got to find somebody else to mess with because I can't get anywhere with these people. 1,500 years later, Jesus is casting out devils, and here comes the old thing again. Now the enemy accuses him of doing what the magicians weren't able to do in Moses' day, and that is cast out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. Jesus said, uh, if I cast out devils by Beelzebub, how do your children cast them out? And of course, they were again rendered speechless. And Jesus said, if I cast out devils by the finger. I love that because you're talking about uh, uh, some of the greatest forces that come against uh, humankind are demonic forces. They rob you of peace. They rob you of health. They rob you of, 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 of blessing sometimes. And so the Lord says all it takes is one finger to disrupt the minions of darkness. I say, God, put that finger in this house. Put that finger in the devil's face. Put that finger in the midst of our circumstances. Flick the enemy like a tick off of our back in the name of Jesus and set God's people free to receive what the word of God says that we could have. He goes on to talk about a strong man and the strong man's goods and the strong man's house. And let me say this, but before I go there, let me remind you, in Matthew 12, 28, the same uh, reference is made, and it's said this way. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. So the finger of God equals the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is synonymous with the finger of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm glad. And now I know there's a hand in this place. Now I know, amen, that the Spirit of the Lord is in this place to do a work. The strong man. One, one interpreter calls the strong man the strong one. Of course, is Satan. And when the strong man fully armed guards his palace, his goods are at peace. Everybody say his goods are at peace. This is why the enemy doesn't want you to get stirred. Complacency is his friend. This is why when you begin to move in God's direction, suddenly you find your life intruded upon by disruptive demonic forces and resistance. It didn't seem to happen to you when you were at the gambling parlor or at the, you know, or at the bar scene or at the party zone or wherever else you used to be before God got a hold of you. You want to know why? Because you were complacent. You were settled in. But the minute you rise up against the tides of darkness and say, I've had about enough of this I'm coming to God, then hell will unleash a torrent of forces to try to stop you early so that you don't get a foothold. But we don't care what the devil don't allow. He didn't want me here. He didn't want me to be a preacher. He didn't want you to be a singer. He didn't want you to be a leader. He didn't want you to be a worshiper. He didn't want you to be Holy Ghost filled. We don't care what he doesn't want. There's a stirring that has moved us to this moment. And in the name of Jesus, we're going forward. We're not going to be complacent. Somebody say no to complacency. Look, he doesn't mind if you go to church, even a good church, as long as you're complacent. 
praise God. You know, my definition of a good church is one that won't allow you to be complacent. That you'll feel so discompopulated for sitting it out service after service. Finally, you got to say, hey, I got to get some fire burning in here. And I've got to open my heart and let God have his way. Is there any fire brands in the house today? If you've come come to watch a show, there is no show. But if you've come to see an anointed move of God, you're in the right place. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. Come on, firefall. And so the complacent are claimed by the enemy. The strong man guards his own palace and his goods are in peace or they're at rest. Let me say this, that the strong man, that, you, that word strong man on guard is from the same word that is used when we talk about the shepherds keeping watch over the sheep. You know, at the birth of the Christ a child. And so that's the way the strong man does. He keeps his eye on you. He's got his eyes on you. Well, you know what? Put your eyes on Jesus and he'll take his eyes off you. Put your eyes on your neighbor. Put your eyes on your stuff. Put your eyes on the things of this world and he'll put his eyes on you. But put your eyes on Jesus and he's going to look for somebody else because he doesn't want to mess with live wires because live wires shock the devil out of him and he doesn't want any part of it. I don't know about you, but I want to be a live wire for Jesus. I want to break ranks with complacency. I want to come out from among them. And I want to be separate, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. When you you disarm the devil. Now, this is the really, I guess, the point that I really feel to impress before we finish. Give you a chance to touch God. And that is, you really defeat the enemy when your finger becomes God's finger. Remember this about the example of Jesus. God was not manifest in flesh to show us what we can't be and what we can't do. If he was, then he wouldn't have said greater things you're going to do than I do because I go to the Father. So Jesus came to earth to show us who we could be if we sell ourselves out to the things of the Spirit of God and what we can do. Everything he never, there's not one thing Jesus did that he said we cannot do. What about raise the dead? He told us to raise the dead. He told us to cast out devils. He told us to lay hands on the sick. And so, if that's the case, then you know you've really arrived when your finger becomes Wait a second. Now, don't carry this analogy too far. Well, how far did Paul carry it? He says, you're the body of Christ. And I can't say to the hand, I don't have need of you. A foot can't say to the ear, I have no need of you. What is he talking about? What is the body of Christ? Is it just just an analogy? No, I believe it's a fact. I believe that each and every one of us are fitly framed and we're orchestrated and put together in such a way as to be God's body. His feet, his hands, his lips, his eyes, his ears on earth. Oh, come on. So that means what? Somebody, somebody need you. You know, God gave you this for more than just scolding bad drivers on the highway. 
God gave you this for just more than just disciplining children who have made a mistake. Uh, uh, God gave you more. He, he, somebody needs to point your finger in hell's face and say, back off. In the name of Jesus, back off my family. Back off my finances. Back off my health. In the name of somebody, has got to do it. You got to do it. Marina was 30 years old. She left her two children playing under an umbrella on the bank of the Rundi River in Zimbabwe while she went fishing nearby. In just a few short minutes, she heard a scream. She ran back over to where she had left her children and saw the umbrella floating in the water and a crocodile dragging away Gideon, her three-year-old son. Oh, I don't care what what kind of dial, crocodile you're talking about. You, you mess with mama and you got problems on your hands. And Marina jumped on the back of this crocodile and took her fingers and thrust them into its nose and blocked its air passageway. And in a matter of seconds, it let go of that three-year-old. Come on, mama. She learned how to fight with her fingers. If she would have tried to fight with her fist, it wouldn't have worked. If she would have tried to fight with her grip, it wouldn't have worked. But she fought with her, a well-placed finger can back, a, if, oh my God. If a well-placed finger can back off a crocodile, amen, then a well-placed finger with the authority of the name of Jesus can back off a multitude of devil forces. Somebody needs to to tell the devil, back off in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And so what's interesting about your fingers, and I am no, one, uh, I am, uh, no specialist here. I just know what I've read, and I hope what I read is the truth, and I think it is. Our fingers are interesting, an interesting part of our anatomy, because they in and of themselves have no muscles in them. No muscles in your fingers. Your fingers are moved by muscles in the palm of your hand. No wonder why the psalmist said, let the raising of my hand be like the evening sacrifice. So how do I get a finger strong enough to point at the devil's face? Lift your hands in the presence of God. So the muscles in the palm of your hand and in your forearm control the fingers. Hallelujah. Unto whom is the arm of the Lord going to be revealed? It's going to be revealed in the lives of those who know how to point their prayer at the problem. Let me say that again. Point, don't point your prayer at, you know, at second order problems. Point your prayer directly at the problem and say, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And so a few, about a month ago on a Wednesday night, I referred to this chapter, Luke 11, and I said a few things about how to fight the enemy. One of the best ways to, to get the devil out of your life is to, is to just analyze how he works and just repeat the process. Just give him some of his own medicine. Notice when he said, when the strong man fully arms guards his own palace. 
You know who his pa- what his palace is? His palace is people. Now, if you were to advertise your, yourself on a real estate page, how would you describe it? This old house I'm living in is in need of some repairs. Would you call it just a bit, an old shack on the other side of the tracks? If the devil considers you so valuable that he calls people a palace, quit calling yourself a piece of junk and start recognizing God doesn't make junk and you are a specific created individual in the presence of God that has value, not because of how smart you are, not because of your professional titles, but because you are made in the image of the almighty God. That's why you're worth something. It's because you're made in the image of God. Quit running the Don't run yourself down. You are so valuable. Hell will invest all of its forces to try to find a way into your life and circumstances. Secondly, when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes into dry places seeking rest and finding none. And he says, I will return. Do you want to know why some people live for God for years and some for days and give up? The people that are still here after 20 years or 30 years or 40 years aren't people that have never made a mistake. They are are the people who say, I will return, praise God. They're people that when they fall down, they don't stay down. They get up and they say, it's Sunday morning and I will return. I'm glad somebody is back for more this morning. I'm going to come back again and again and again and again until the trumpet sounds. Uh, He said to himself, I will return. If you say to yourself, I can't make it. If you say to yourself, I'm finished. If you say to yourself, my goose is cooked. If you say to yourself, I can't live for God another day, you're gonna run yourself right into misery and the devil's gonna swamp you and overtake you. Don't you know your words are weapons? Don't you know that you shall have whatever you say if you believe and don't doubt somebody? Oh, somebody, somebody needs to take some words and say in the name of Jesus. And then notice what else he says. He says, I will return to my house from which I came. The Lord wants, in other words, he doesn't let one failure knock him out of the race. He retraces his steps to the place of his failure and tries again. I'm going to tell you when God will quit working when you quit trying. God will quit working when you quit believing. God will quit working when you quit praying. But as long as you pray and believe and try and get up and come back. And when he comes back to that house, he finds that some improvements have been made. It's swept and clean. Oh, no, you say. Look at what's happened in my life. I'm too far gone. Are you dead? 
You're not too far gone. Don't let the, just because the devil chalks up a victory or two and it looks like you're, you know, he's, he's, made some, he's made some progress in your circumstance, doesn't mean it's over yet. And then, then he says, he says, okay, I can't get back in. It's swept, it's clean, apparently it's locked, deadbolted, chains of locks. I'm going to go get seven more spirits worse than I am. Well, if the devil can find seven spirits worse than it is, you need to be able to point out to seven people in the church better than you are. Here's where the devil has you. Oh, you can make a list, all right. I can list off 7, 10, 12, 14, 21 people worse than me. We're not interested in itemizing who's worse than I am. I need to find somebody who's better than I am. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, I can say, agree with me. 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 Find a few people that have what you don't and ask them to pray with you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so this work of deliverance, this finger of God, this, uh, this, this putting the enemy in his place, Christ's work is not finished just by disarming the devil. I want the musicians to come. Or just when the, the things that the enemy has stolen has been recovered. Remember, the scripture says that the stronger than he, the one that is stronger than the strong man, he binds a strong man. He goes in and he plunders his goods. And, he, and then he shares the spoils with the others. You know what the enemy's goods are? People. You know what the devil is in the business of? He's a possessor. And so he wants to possess people. He wants to steal dreams. He wants to kill hopes. He wants to ruin relationships. But when the Lord delivers somebody, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace and his goods are in peace, but when a stronger than he comes, that's Jesus, and overcomes him, he takes from him all of his armor, which he trusted, and divides the spoils. The work of God is not finished at deliverance. The work of God is not finished until what the devil had possession of is restored to God and that God uses the devil's former armor against him. If you've been delivered and all you were delivered for was to sit on a church seat, you got some homework to do. Listen to this. An American politician said this in 2007 concerning leaving weapons in the Middle East like unfortunately happened. If you leave all the equipment behind, you might be able to get out in seven months. Yeah, but if you leave those billions of dollars in weapons behind, I promise they're going to be used against your grandchild and mine someday. 
And I thought, what could be worse than the most sophisticated nation in the world with the most powerful weapons of war having to face their own equipment in battle? What could be worse? This, when former drug addicts, alcoholics, street people, liars, thieves, are suddenly filled with the Holy Ghost and the very thing that the devil boasted that he had us right where he wanted. The next thing you know, guess who God empowers to do a counterattack? The very people that he delivered out of the devil's hand. Now, uh, you know the guy and girl that used to drink till the sun come up? Guess what they're doing now? Praising God till the sun comes up. Oh, hallelujah. If the Lord has taken you out of the kingdom of darkness, but he hasn't yet turned you into a weapon, amen, to use against that kingdom of darkness, you're not there yet. But we're going to get there in Jesus' name. I want us to stand. Hallelujah. I want us to stand. Here's the deal. Christianity needs an overhaul. Christianity needs a fire. Christianity needs a, an infusion of divine anointing, power, truth, and vision like never before. It's not enough to create churches that make people feel comfortable just like they are. If that's all we do, then in time, we will be creating a menace to our own heritage. There are 30 million nuns out there. Nuns are people that gave up on Christianity. I promise you, if there would have been a fire and a power and an anointing and a healing and miracles and signs and wonders, there wouldn't be 30 million of them saying, I don't believe it anymore. Amen. Come on, someone. We owe this world an end time revival that will smack the devil's chops right off of his face in the name of Jesus and the finger of God to point and declare in Jesus' name, you've gone, you can go no further. We rebuke and bind you in Jesus' name and cast you out and then we become empowered by the power of the Holy Ghost. Only God could take a stinging serpent, make a model of it, hoist it up on a stick and it becomes a healing serpent. Only God could take Moses, a fugitive from the law, running for his life because he killed a man and buried him in the sand and make a lawgiver out of him. That's what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, the very thing that the devil used you for, God's going to use you for the opposite of it, to cause fear and dread in the ranks of darkness if you let the Spirit move. Rachel, Hannah, Sarah, childlessness. And so God takes their childlessness and their barrenness and produces a Messiah with it. And then there's the cross. Cursed is the man who hangs on a tree. Like the song said, the devil's had a party that Friday night when Jesus was suspended on a cruel cross, exposed and naked, bleeding and dying, shamed. But only God. He, he took the very thing that hell gloated over and turned it into an emblem of mercy. And he took the sins and the ordinances that were against you and I and he nailed them. 
They nailed, the devils nailed Jesus to the tree. Jesus nailed the sins of humankind. Don't think it's strange that God cannot take the life of someone just like you and turn you into a threat. the kingdom of darkness. Let's pray right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. There's a hand in this service today, precious God, and it's concentrated in the fingertip of God. Lord, And somebody's going to become the finger of God because they're going to become a threat to the power of darkness like never before. Someone else is going to experience the finger of God because they're going to be set free from sin and fear and shame and failure by the power of the cross. In the mighty name of Jesus, Satan, we take the thing you used against Jesus and we use it against you by the power of the blood of Jesus and by the cross of Christ. There's freedom in this house today. Does somebody need a breakthrough? If you need a breakthrough, if you need a healing in your body, if you need the finger of God to touch something in your life or your family, I want to open these altars to you and give you a chance to come and pray. Come and find the Lord. Come and touch the Lord. Come and be released. It's not enough to be just a Christian. Are you a weapon in God's hands yet? All of us know how the devil used us in our past. We know that. Nobody needs to preach a sermon on that. Well, what I need to know is, has God been able to use me? Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, in Jesus' name. Oh, God. Oh, God, do it now. Do it now in the name of Jesus. Precious Lord, precious Lord, precious Lord, precious God. If you're here today and you're suffering and you're shamed of yourself and your failures and your sins, all I, do, all I need you to do is I'll point you to the cross. That's all. Where Jesus bled and died for you. Precious God.